0: Welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes, bringing you another Old Man Orange Presents via VHS episode. One of them from the rarities vault that we have from back in the day that just never got put out. So come join us for another fun-filled retro movie review. Let's jump on in.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the VHS podcast. We're doing Waterworld tonight. As always, I'm joined by Spencer Scott Holmes. And we're going back to 1995 and looking at um, the infamous Waterworld. We have a lot of opinions on this one. Um, We're going to rewrite history a little bit maybe tonight uh, regarding this film. But I go to Spencer with a very important question, a question that um, popped into my mind while watching water world something that my brother once asked me um why aren't jet skis called motorcycles
0: boater motorcycles
1: boater i they should be called motorcycles
0: i mean that's that's kind of like what it is i don't know why like that hasn't like kind of yeah cuz jet ski it's kind of weird cuz yeah. it's like it doesn't really even sound like you know i mean I, I guess you're skiing across the water but skiing you know brings up you know images of you know not only water skiing but snow skiing and things like that so you I mean, know
1: I just think it's a missed opportunity here. I mean, technically it doesn't make sense, but I mean it's just boater cycle is really cool. I think you're opening yourself up to like, you know, some counterculture like stuff. Like you could have like uh motorcycle gangs. Mm-hmm.
0: Well you, you see know, I th- I motorcycle it, that reminds me of like, that would almost be like, it sounds like that could be also a good brand of jet skis as motorcycle, And okay. I picture it just having a guy on there and he's got big sunglasses on and a trucker hat and a mullet mm-hmm. motorcycles.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, um, yeah, that would be like the Harley of jet skis. And listen, jet ski is jet skis are rad. I mean, we agree mm-hmm. here and there's a lot of them. In water world, which made me think of it, but I just think a motorcycle is a missed opportunity. And I mean, the, the smokers in this are technically a motorcycle game. They kind of have that yeah. thing going on. I don't know. I just think that's be really cool. You have like life vests <laughs> that are leather with like patches. I just think it's awesome. First of, all,
0: is, I, I think it's because you know. mostly because jet skis. It seems like the majority of people that own them always seem to be a little bit more like in like the yuppier like richer upper class section of like life <laughs> so maybe that's why there's yeah. less like it's not like you you're gonna go live on your like jet ski you know <laughs> and cross around you know drive up and down like the coast
1: <laughs> i mean you could i'm you just could. it's
0: not saying it's out of the question <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean I just I just picture roaming motorcycle gangs just going across the Atlantic and you know and you know like you have your Hell's Angel equivalent. it should just be awesome.
0: Yeah, you know but, and you um, know it makes now I want to see the water world kind of like mix match of uh Stone Cold that movie <laughs> the motorcycle gang, but instead it's all about jet ski gangs. <laughs>
1: right, wouldn't that be fucking dope? Oh my god.
0: The the, the title of the movie should just be motorcycle.
1: <laughs> Dude, motorcycle. I mean, I'm um, get Robert Rodriguez to do that because you need, it's outlandish. Let's just be real. Yeah. So you need, you know, yeah, I like it. But um, anyway, Waterworld, um, yeah. So we're doing we're not just reviewing Waterworld. We're doing the Ulysses cut and in the whole movie. I'm like, what's this called, the Ulysses cut? And at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, that's why. Yeah. But um, yeah, they, they mean, try
0: to keep Odysseus or uh, Odyssey theme going on with uh, somewhat kind of whole arc of the story.
1: Yeah. It's a, so this thing is like three hours long. It adds roughly like 40, 45 minutes to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a significantly more coherent thing. We'll obviously talk about that more in the review, but it's just, it's if you've never seen it, that's, that's specifically what we're doing. We're doing water, war, we're doing the full extended cut, which a lot of people believe it makes it a better film. Mm -hmm. and the fan edit which ulysses cut is technically a fan edit pulled from different places because extended cuts were on tv after waterworld came out and um you watch this and you're like "Ah, it just makes so much more sense
0: yeah no it adds a lot to it it's one of those ones that i literally had to get they made the blu-ray copy of it which is just so weird to think about because it's a universal movie but like it's like an Arrow, which, you know, Arrow mostly seems to bring out all like the cool niche, like B movies and foreign Mm -hmm. films and so on like that. So it's just so strange to have Universal kind of like attached with that. But um, I think that's literally the most expensive singular movie I've ever bought. I paid 50 bucks for this thing like three or four years ago when it came out. And I remember it was one of those ones like I saw it at like an FYE. And, you know, since FYE is mostly always more expensive than other places. So I looked up real quick. I was like, well, how much is it going for on Amazon and eBay and so on like that? And it was like, it was like 65 bucks there. So I was like, 50 bucks, a really good copy of Waterworld because that's the downfall of Waterworld is that they always had like the DVD version was just kind of like a bare bones, you know, I'm not too sure it might have been enhanced for widescreen, but I almost want to say it might not have at the same time too, because I remember there was a lot of reasons like why I was trying to look for a good copy of Waterworld. And So I was like, man, it's 50 bucks, but it is Waterworld. It's got special features. It's got, you know, not only just the regular theatrical version, it's got the TV version and the Ulysses, like, director's extended cut with all the scenes put in, plus a bunch of special features. I mean, it came with even, like, a cool little, like, booklet that's got, you know, stuff like art and all kinds of things Mm. in there and all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, I mean, I know I'm doing a little show-and-tell stuff, but, you know, it's got, like, drawings and all extra stuff. You know, came with a poster, too, because, you know, why not have a poster of Kevin Costner looking at you?
1: <laughs> this is a great poster.
0: Oh, yeah. Fantastic. It has both posters. It has the the modern Ulysses cut kind of a poster and like the, the original 95 one. Both are but, pretty sexy. But it's like one of those ones I'm like, I don't think I've ever spent. I'm trying to think of even a movie that's even close, like a singular movie, not a, not a collection, not a set, not anything like that. Like, that's the one that I, I probably dropped the most on, but it was totally well worth it in my book.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much I've ever... I mean, I think Indiana Jones one time I spent a lot of money on. Um, but it was you know,
0: probably the set, not just, like, a singular one,
1: right? Right, right. It was the whole set. A singular movie, I can't I can't tell you how much I've spent. But it's not as much as that. As <laughs> you know, I, I
0: say, I don't think I could think of a movie that I probably spent more than 30 bucks on that was, like, a singular one, maybe. Yeah, That, that probably would have been, like, the highest.
1: That would be my limit, probably. I'm like, uh, oh. 50 bucks but it is really cool you do get a lot with it because this film like it is infamous and what's weird is is that you know it's we'll get into all the controversy around well i don't know if you use the word controversy but it's just all the you know things that were said about it when it came out um and you know, all the discussion about the budget and it being a flop, which is not true.
0: No, um, it, it made tons of money. <laughs> it made tons of money. I mean this it,
1: it it's not a huge financial success either, but it's it's it it's definitely not a flop like they they you know made it out to be and it was panned before it even hit screens. It was already you know, it was kind of doomed to, to fail. And then you know, obviously the production was just terrible. But um yeah, this is the film, like um, you know, it really benefits from having this extra cut, this extra footage, you know, mm-hmm. the full scope of what was meant to be. But it's funny because I was reading the trivia. This film was originally meant to be a Roger Corman film, like a low budget Roger Corman film. And you, you think about it, it's weird. This movie's like such a high budget film and it's kind of cult following, like you would think of like a small B movie.
0: Yeah, it comes out on Arrow. the Blu-ray copy. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm saying. Like it, 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 it's treated like a cult movie, but at the time, it was the most expensive movie ever made. I just think it's funny that I went from like a Roger Corman production, which, if you don't know about Roger Corman, infamously cheap. Like it's just going to be like this thing was going to be filmed in a pond, Mm -hmm. like a you know, and I don't know how they would have done this. It was obviously very different. But it, it goes from this tiny little B movie Roger Corman thing to this massive, just gigantic, you know, epic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then it was released and to mixed mixed reviews. But um, I think we should just go ahead and jump into a rewind review. I think we have a lot to say about this movie.
0: I think so. I know I do. All
1: right. Well, let's ju- uh, fire up the rewind review. <laughs> Stroker Ace episode, where we've kind of revamped things a little bit as we go into the Rewind review. We like to, you know, just the nostalgic part, you go back in time and you look at what the world was when um, Waterworld came out. So we like to look at the music and we like Mm -hmm. to look at the box office and the box office is going to be very interesting for this one because it's so much discussion. I mean, this movie is kind of tied to its box office, so we'll we'll have a lot of fun with that. So I think we should start with the music uh, this week. Uh, because we'll definitely have a lot to say, um, about the, um, box office, but we're looking at the top five. This is the billboard charts, uh, hot 100 from, um, July 29th, 1995. This film was released on the 28th, but you know, split hairs at that point. Um, number five, a song that I could talk about forever. um, I brought I got the CD down just to bring it up because I, I <laughs> I'm fascinated by the song, and we won't spend too much time on it. But uh, you're going to see Water World. This might be, you know, playing in your your uh, your car, your boat, um, <laughs> kiss from <laughs> a rose, your your motorcycle,
0: your motorcycle. That's the only thing you're driving to Water World. Come on, let's yeah, be honest. <laughs>
1: your, your motorcycle. I don't know how you're going to get it there, but yeah, uh, kiss from a rose by Seal.
0: Oh, it's the Batman
1: Forever soundtrack,
0: and that's the thing too. Is like that song is so to me nostalgic in 1995, and I think Batman. That's hundred percent what I think when I hear that song. I don't think anything else but Batman Forever. (laughs)
1: Listen, I gotta talk about this real quick. The audacity, the audacity, to think for somebody to be like, "Oh, this song's gonna work for Batman," (laughs) and it actually works so, especially in the video, it works so well. I would have been the guy like okay, we're a few months out, right? Before Batman forever comes out. Schumacher comes in and still tells a really great story about how this song happened, but he comes into the room and he's like, okay, this is going to be our tie in song for Batman forever. I have to be honest. I would have been the guy at the table and been like, listen, that song's awesome. But you know, it's not going to work for Batman. I would probably would have, I probably would have done. I don't know what studio did first night, but it came out around the same time as, as a, uh, batman forever i'm like hey sell this song to the people for first night so they can have their tie in song because it's got that medieval kind of you know it it does not sound like it'd work for batman but it fucking does so well
0: it's so weird and it's so tied to that movie that um it's one of those ones that, like, yeah. As I said, like, lots of times when I used to do that DJing, like, I, I would just play that song. And in my mind, I'm thinking Batman. I know nobody else probably is singing the same thing as much, but that's what I would I would utilize that one is like because all the songs I knew were from movies. That, that's how I know a song generally.
1: Yeah, yeah, that song is just it's amazing that it works so well. But we'll eventually talk, we'll discuss Batman Forever. We'll do a, a review on it. Maybe, maybe by the time we get to Batman Forever, the Schumacher cut will be available to us. Gosh, I
0: know that. That Speaking of, you know, extra extended versions, that's what I'm really waiting for. Like, well, you know, Epic
1: film guys, you know, Justin and Loy sauce when, when they saw it. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Go shout out to Epic film guys. Go listen to their episode on it. They, um, Kevin Smith did a thing and teased that he might show it. And I listened to their episode on it. It was really, really good. They went, they drove to, I think it was in New Jersey. I think it was, I mean, it makes sense because Kevin Smith, but, I think they, they, I know they drove a little bit. They went to this thing and at like three o'clock in the morning, they showed the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever and they saw it and they did wow. do a, uh, an episode on it. So,
0: yeah, I was just waiting for that to even just get leaked to the internet or something like that, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think they're like testing the waters like, hey, can we, you know, do a special 4K release of this? You know, let, let's see if there's what kind of interest is out there. Mm-hmm. What I mean, like
0: I, me. I, I would buy it instantly, even if they ch- charge me 50 bucks for it. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Go listen to it. Epic Film Guys. They, the one of their like a hand, there's probably less than a theater full of humans, like a big theater. Like think of an AMC big theater. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that seen that cut probably wouldn't fill up one of those theaters. So, pretty cool. Um, number four, Boom Bastic uh, in the Summertime by Shaggy. Oh yeah, um, don't take it personal. Um, just one of those days by Monica at number three, the notorious Big at number two with one more chance slash stay with me, and at number one, don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> don't just don't do it.
0: Just don't do it. It's, it's dangerous. People TF2. die. Where, where yeah. I'm at, if you chase waterfalls, that's yeah. They, they, have... they drown all the time. So. <laughs> It yeah. happens every year. So you got to be careful with those waterfalls.
1: Well, TLC tried to warn everyone about it and they nobody hey. listened. No, that's they, what the song is actually about is waterfalls. Everybody has think it's a deeper meaning. It's about
0: waterfalls. Hey, waterfalls are pretty deep. Yeah. Well, some of them. Yeah. yeah. And they'll, they'll push you down pretty deep. If you get close to them.
1: Yeah. Listen, I just want to say, if you don't fuck with TLC, get out. <laughs> I just, I love TLC. I, I really do. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> So, yeah, there's your top five songs, Billboard Hot 100 uh, for July 29th, 1995. Let's go over to the box office. So, here's a discussion about Waterworld. It's been, there's even this famous clip from Joe Rogan on YouTube where he's talking about Waterworld and he's talking about how much of a flop it was and how disastrous it was. And this is, you know, almost 30 years on from the movie being released, and Mm -hmm. it still has the stigma attached to it. Yeah, and this film was barely profitable. And as a matter of fact, with marketing, I'm going to go ahead and say it probably wasn't profitable in the box office. But once you, you know, sell it the TV, home video, and all that stuff, it became profitable. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's not. It made 32 million. It's opening. It opened at number one. Mm-hmm. Um, 32 million. It still made money. This film is not the. It's not John Carter.
0: Well, no, that's the thing. It's like John Carter is a great movie, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's one of those ones where um, the thing is, is if the movie just didn't cost a whole lot, that it is it's like, it's one of those movies, where, like if it would have just cost a normal sum of like, let's just say it costs like 70 million bucks, this movie would have been like, look, I was like, man, this thing did gangbusters, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And the thing is, is yeah, it, it took a moment for it to get that money back because by the end of the day, it's like, it's over $200 million when, you know, ads and everything else is said and done but yeah it made made 32 you know and that's just domestic right off the bat that's just the first weekend alone i think overseas it made like 180 million so yeah, that practically paid the majority of it back and we haven't even got the home video yet slash we haven't got to this movie stayed in theaters for a while too that's the thing is this was one of the top movies of the year
1: yeah i mean it, this is not the bus they they make it out to be it, it really really isn't i mean it it's not cutthroat island like that's yeah. a, that's a bust. And I love that. We love that movie, but
0: great movie too. But yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's no, I, I don't understand what happened with this, but it's like there was, I don't know if this was that anti Kevin Costner thing that was going on or what it was, but the media just created, and I can remember this, mm-hmm. they created this narrative around it before the movie even came out they had already decided that this was, you know, and then when it didn't do as bad as they thought it was going to do, they still panned it and they didn't deviate from that narrative at all. They just kept going with it. And it's just not completely true.
0: No. And I think it's that weird one that, it felt like people turned. this is a moment where people turned on kevin costner almost like when people or when women turned on tom cruise for jumping on the couch like (laughs) it it, and i don't know what's the exact moment that makes everybody sort of turn on kevin costner but he kind of i think once he shot up to super fame with uh dances with wolves and then he had robin hood that followed because really kevin i always say kevin costner is the last pretty much major actor to have epic ginormous scale movies and Mm -hmm. you might even say some people might even say that he might be the reason why we lost the epic movies because all those movies that he had cost a crap ton of money and they just had a hard time like making like grand profit because you know yeah dance of wolves was like the first one of his like epic runs that thing makes gangbusters works out everything there too then he does robin hood robin hood still works out still does good still makes a lot of money but then when it's coming into, I think actually, Wyatt Earp comes before. Yeah, co- comes mm-hmm. before Waterworld, and wider just has a hard time bit. competing with Tombstone. That's this. That's just the only one there. And, and I'm in that boat where I like don't be wrong. I love Tombstone, but I actually like that Wyatt Earp one way more.
1: Well, we're we're disagreeing on this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As I said, I don't think there's anybody else. There's very few people out there that agree with me on that one. But I just always felt like I'm like Wyatt Earp seems like the extended cut of like Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's
1: it's probably a more realistic, grounded historically accurate version of those events but um it doesn't have val Kilmer. <laughs> I mean, like...
0: no yeah val Kilmer definitely i mean don't me wrong uh what's his name yeah dennis quaid not randy quaid but um
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <We> <laughs> but know, um randy quaid. but as, as we kind of go through he's like then you get water world too and then that one just kind of struggles a bit to make like that gangbusters money that dances with wolves made and then even the postman falls in that same prey and the postman's another amazing Amazing film, but like it was just people were turning on Kevin Costner, and these movies were, were probably still getting kind of out of control spending wise. That's definitely yeah. that. But that's almost like like th- like those movies like Wilder, Waterworld, Postman, Robin Hood, and even uh, Dance with Wolves. Like all those movies right there, those five films, like the scope. And the presence of those movies, and the way they look, and just how big and glorious they are—it's like they, that's like they just don't make movies like that anymore. Whenever I see these films, it's like you do not get movies like that. You know, nowadays movies feel so kind of compressed, and you know, you feel like you're just watching a big stage play that happens to have a bunch of like you know screens around it doing special effects. Like that's how that's what they consider an epic movie nowadays. But it's like they just don't get those ones where they just got these ridiculous vast you know, real world's going on. Yeah.
1: It's certainly, you don't see a whole lot of practical films like this anymore. What's funny is the film that this is always tied to Mad Max because it is the joke is it's Mad Max on water and it is.
0: And that's that's the Roger That's where the Roger Corman thing comes, because that was, you know, Roger Corman was like, hey, let's do a Thunderdome in a sense. And then someone's like, hey, I got mm-hmm. a script for some of that. Pretty much. It's Mad Max on the water. Simple as that. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's another reason why I love this movie so much growing up is like I love Mad Max. Mad Max was like a family movie. That's like we watched The Living mm-hmm. Daylights at a Road Warrior and Thunderdome and even the original Mad Max. Um, and it's just one of those ones. So like Waterworld just felt like that was Mad Max 4 in my book.
1: Yeah, I mean it really is. I and mean, I you know, I love Mad Max too. It's one of my favorite franchises. And this this film has a lot of a lot of similarities to it. I mean, it's this dystopic, you know, dystopic, you know, kind of thing with crazy vehicles that are kind of like clunky and smoky and like, you know, all dirty and like way past their <laughs> their expiration date. And, you know, you're living in this crazy world, but oh man. Filming on water. It's notoriously stupid. Like people know it, this is not like Spielberg explicitly told them not to do it, not to film in the ocean, like go get your big tank, but we'll, we'll get to more of that. So, but, um, yeah, real quick. The rest of the box office here uh, just mm-hmm. for perspective, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, water world, number one at the box office, 32 million. Um, number two is a, a little film that I want us to review. Um, in, in the next couple of months. Cause I've, I've actually never seen it all the way through. I've only seen bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think down the road, it's got so much more perspective you can give to it, but it's the net. I say, Oh, you know, like
0: God, I, you know, I, I know I saw that movie a long time ago on TV, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. It's been that long.
1: Yeah. I'm, I have a feeling it would be pretty funny these days. Mm hmm. I think you gonna have a lot of '90s hacker stuff in there, which is always fun to watch. I, I,
0: I like that stuff, anyways. I just, you yeah. know, it, I love old computers and any of that kind of fun old stuff.
1: Yeah, we, we're speculating on this. We, somebody who's seen this is like, shut the fuck up! You don't know what you're <laughs> talking. Um, number three, one of the best films of the '90s. It's, I think, top three for me. Um, so so good,
0: Apollo 13. Oh yeah, classic.
1: Yeah, Apollo 13 is is. Uh, what I consider almost a perfect film. It's just it's it's um it's basically flawless. Um, and this has been out a couple of weeks at this point. Um,
0: Clueless at number
1: four.
0: Oh yeah, another humongous film. Mm hmm. O- opening
1: this week, along with Waterworld in The Net, is a film called Operation Dumbo Drop. The <laughs> I remember seeing that one too. Yeah, I didn't see it in theaters. And
0: <laughs> yeah, no, were- I don't think I, I saw it in theaters. I saw Clueless in theaters, though. I went to uh, my friend's really? birthday party, and that was what she wanted to see. So that was when I saw Clueless, and it was like, oh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, my first little, like, I guess, not really a girlfriend, but kind of girlfriend was like, hey, let's go to the theaters. And with mom and dad, will drop us off and we'll see Clueless. I'm like, whatever you want to do. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> but um, yeah,
0: yeah, this is this more like my uh, surrogate sister, I guess you would sort of say.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. This is my little crush I had. But yeah, so Waterworld, number one at the box office. But we went back to nineteen ninety-five, revisited. Let's let's go ahead and dive into this film because yes. there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk
0: about with this one.
1: And again, just a reminder, we watched the Ulysses cut, the full three hour thing. We watched it. Oh, you watched your.
0: I, I watch my expensive Blu ray that I like to keep bringing up for show and tell because when you pay 50 yeah. bucks for it, I want everybody to see that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would too. I would too. <laughs> Get your money of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched it on Internet Archive.
0: I, uh, Internet Archive has been one of my new favorite places for like when I can't find something anywhere else in the world that place a lot of times banned cartoons from back in the day old old movies you can't find anywhere else even song of books, the south economics. is on there. yes i know i downloaded it from there too because i'm always afraid that those things are going to get just like the mario brothers extended cut it's going to get taken down so i might as well have a digital copy of it you know <laughs> and you know, all, all these that, old that, films like
1: yeah that song of the south cut too looked like remastered it looked good
0: it. Sound, I was reading some of the comments there and it sounded like it might've come from in like Australia or somewhere like that was like the only place that they ever released a DVD of it. Like something like mm.
1: that. Yeah, it looked good. I mean, it really looked good. Um, you feel how you want to about Song of the South, but you know. And it's that's, it's that's still
0: a Now that was Walt Disney. He he thought he was, try- I remember I was listening to a book recently that was all about history and animation and he legitimately thought he was like, I'm, I'm in the right with this. I'm just trying to make a movie about all the, my favorite black folks and all that stuff. <laughs> like he, he wasn't doing anything. He, he thought he was on the right picture, you know, page right there. <laughs> old I mean, Walt, old uncle Walt was going for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it benefits his legacy. Uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but so maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Um, so anyway, but yeah, Internet Archive. If you can't find stuff, a lot of times it's on there. We watched the um that like cut of the nineteen ninety three Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. That's where I watched it. Was on there.
0: Yeah, and, and see, and that's perfect example. That 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 doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, like it got taken down. That one Nintendo mm-hmm. was, but that's why I made sure I downloaded it. So. Oh,
1: so you still have it. Yeah. Uh, I'm Sorry. keeping it
0: alive. <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, Internet Archive. If you can't if you want to find something crazy that's not available, they might have it. Uh, the two the only place you can listen to the very first two episodes of via VHS is there. Because <laughs> I lost I lost all the stuff and I randomly I just typed in via VHS. I'm like, oh my God. That's like the first episode. Um first two episodes. But yeah, so I'm going to default to you a lot on this because it's been – I thought I was going to do a better job of realizing what was new mm-hmm. and what wasn't, and I'm, I definitely did not remember. So I'm going to be defaulting to you about what's new and what isn't, what scenes were there and what weren't.
0: Um. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this. You know, you know what makes that kind of confusing, though, is because – Growing up, I watched so much of this movie on TV. Mm. So I think by watching the TV version, I never put two and two together that the TV version was extended back in the day. I just thought that was more the normal version, Mm -hmm. you know? So the TV version carries like, you know, 35 minutes extra of footage. So the majority of those extra scenes are already in there. And then, so it is a little bit more kind of confusing. What are some of the excess ones that like are in the Ulysses cut? Now in the Ulysses cut you do get one more Jack Black scene. That's one of the main ones that I noticed that's that's in there. You get Girl. the one with her yeah. away. I
1: mean, that's the if there's that's worth the fifty dollars you paid right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you you get that. You know, and then there's some of those other ones like the, you know, those ones there. It's not like all the big stuff. It's not like they cut necessarily the action out. Like you know, it's not like any mm-hmm. of that stuff. Is it's more just all these extra little scenes, especially um, like I guess you would say the like the second act of the movie. Like once they leave the atoll or whatever, that's where I think you start getting the majority of your extended scenes in there.
1: It felt like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watching it because was Bath Salt Robin Williams in the the guy the creepy guy that they pick up with a finger. Uh huh. Is that theatrical or is that like extended cut person?
0: I think that one's extended cut for sure, too. Um, At least it's definitely TV cut. I I know that scene's not in the original, original version.
1: I do remember seeing it before, but I was thinking I was sitting there watching that. Like, if you're going to cut something out of this film, I like that scene, but you could take it out and it doesn't affect the movie at all.
0: Yeah, it's, it's I, totally a bonus scene. It, it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me because it's, it's like a weird scene, sort of like an um, apocalypse now, which is one of my favorite scenes that I, strangely enough, Francis Ford Coppola cut it out of his third version of the movie, but it's in the second version of the movie and the redux version. But there's that one weird, and the reason I like it is just so bizarre and it makes absolutely no sense. And it makes you wonder what the hell is going on there. But like when they find it's like raining out and they go to like the Playboy Bunny's like helicopter that's crashed. Mm -hmm. and and once again nothing doesn't explain any of it there and they're just all like messed up and you're like what the hell has happened to all these people here and so on like that and it's just become like primal there's like that dude running there just naked in the rain you're like Mm -hmm. they're just stopping to get fuel and i i that's what that scene kind of a world it's not nearly as weird as the apocalypse now one is but it does have that kind of creepy like you don't know what's going to happen like is this where the movie's going to get real dark all of a sudden and so on like that it's exceptionally rapey. It's yeah.
1: like this is two weeks in a row because we had that Burt Reynolds scene last week, which was super uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> well, God, yeah, that is Burt Reynolds. If, if that wasn't Burt Reynolds, let's just be honest. If that was anybody, if that was, you know, like Gary Busey no- or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> or Nick Nolte, like,
1: <laughs> I or Pauly be-
0: Shore, I'm,
1: you know, <laughs> Christopher Walken. Christopher yeah. Walken's got that's weird.
0: You know, Bert Reynolds Evil is like well, one of the, the fewest guys that could probably get away with that. Be like, you know, well, it's, it's okay, it was yeah. Bert, but any, yeah. like anybody else that could have been so scary and darker it, more than it was. But, but yeah, you get this guy who's doing the most like Robin Williams like impression.
1: He, he, yeah, he looks like him a little bit.
0: That's like that's like I'm like that felt like the most ones like they want Robin Williams, but like let's just get this guy who's doing a Robin Williams impression.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look at who that guy is in a second. So, but um. Uh, let's uh, go through the uh, credentials, I guess, of the film. Yes. Uh, Waterworld 1995, uh, directed by Kevin Reynolds, obviously starring Kevin Costner, Gene uh, Triplehorn, Dennis Hopper, uh, Tina Majorino, if you don't know who that is, Napoleon Dynamite Girl, uh, Glamour Shots. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much you know, the bulk of your cast. And what is that guy's name? He played uh, Michael Jeter. Uh, who was, he, first of all, he, he, I think he did a lot of stuff on Sesame street with Elmo. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was also the mousy guy in, um, oh my gosh. Um, green mile.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. I love that guy. He passed away. I think right after green mile, maybe he didn't even make it to when green mile was released. I might be wrong about that, but. Mm -hmm. Michael Jeter love that guy he's you'll see him on old old stuff of Sesame Street my kids have watched him he'll pop up there doing like skits with Elmo but he was he was awesome um but you know and some semi-recognizable faces in there and as as you mentioned Jack Black which I think it might be only in the extended cut
0: I think so Um, because I well I want to say he's still the plane scenes of course he's still in I want to say that's still in the theatrical version where he comes flying by and when, you know, um you know, the lady ends up shoot shooting the harpoon at it Ellen. at the plane. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure that part's still there. It's just one of those ones like you just when he's in the plane, it's kinda hard to tell that's Jack Black. You know. Yeah.
1: You wouldn't know unless like you were told, I think. It's it's yeah. but heads up, Jack Black's in it, and this is a small part. But um Yeah, so directed by Kevin Reynolds, starting Kevin Costner. Um in a future where the polar ice caps have melted uh, and Earth is almost entirely submerged, a mutated mariner fights starvation and outlaw smokers, and reluctantly helps a woman and a young girl try to find dry land. This MacGuffin is land mm-hmm. uh, in the film. Um, did you? So this was a big one for you as a kid, right?
0: This one, this was like Batman Forever Big when it, you know, I just remember mm-hmm. watching this all the time. It was just like one of those ones, like if it was on TV, you just you just would turn it on. Even if it was in the background, you just watched it continuously for like because mm-hmm. that's the thing is this movie is like I think where its true success was and where it really found its major audience more than anything was it it became like sort of like a Beastmaster type movie where like mm-hmm. the TV audience was really like its core group and so on mm-hmm. like that. You know, and just it was replayed a lot. Just, you know, you not only on TBS or TNT, but Action Channel, Encore, like all those one stars like they, they just all kind of carried this film for a, I remember it for a long time, you know, and yeah, just everything about this movie. I just thought like it was It's just a cool action flick, you know, and as I said, that Mad Max kind of vibe, like, it's which one of those things, it's like Die Hard, you know, like when they kind of have, like, the, the okay, well, it's, it's like a Die Hard knockoff bottle film, like, that's, like, one mm-hmm. of those ones that you really never can go wrong with that. It's even sort of like the Mad Max thing, you know what I mean? Like, you give the Mad Max, like, aesthetic to something, it's mostly always pretty interesting. I mean, at some point, you'll eventually burn it out, but you know this is to me i feel is a much more fresher take than many of the other things that rip off mad max Mm -hmm. because the whole water aspect is like you know it's it's got that post-apocalyptic world but the water thing something that nobody else ever touches everybody's in the desert always you know what i mean they're Mm -hmm. always doing literal mad max where this one's kind of going well we're gonna do that but in a completely different environment we're gonna be out on the open seas we're gonna have people that it's kind of the interesting thing is I like how they don't tell a whole lot about when this is supposed to be. Like I'm always kind of guessing like w- what do you think it is? You think it's like 300 years or something later? like it doesn't feel like it's it's not just like a couple generations. It, it's definitely a while.
1: Well that's the biggest okay so here's the thing with this movie. you have to let go of scientific reasoning because this mm-hmm. movie I mean just even the fact that it's sunny all the time. It, I was reading that this movie, if this was to happen, it would be more like Camino and Star Wars where it's like raining and it's just a deluge all the time. Um, so there's a lot of like stuff like that. And then also the fact that, you know, Kevin Costner's character, we're definitely getting into spoilers if you've never seen this, but um, he's, um, you know, a mutant and so he's evolved to this world, but he's done it pretty quickly. Cause it seems like it's been only a few hundred years. They've suggested in IMDb, I was reading that it's like 2,500, like it's near 2,500 mm. um, is what they've said. But other people have said it's like 300 years, which seems a little bit more accurate, but like the time frame thing, there's a lot of continuity issues with this movie, but I don't let it bother me. I just enjoy the story. Um, but you definitely have to let go of some of that because it's the fact that he's evolving after just a few hundred years. The fact that, like, all these smokers are—where sm- are they getting these fucking cigarettes?
0: <laughs> well, that—that's that, the thing. Is like, I think that's the stuff that it is because a lot of the stuff they have in Jack Daniels and so on, like that. Like, if it's five hundred years, I don't think any of that stuff's going to be good. You know what I mean? No. Well, maybe even three hundred years is kind of a stretch. But um, there, there's you have a little bit of suspension of disbelief. You know, like the, like the Kevin uh, Costner one. I could probably say maybe he's kind of like Godzilla. Like he's got a little bit more radiation in him and that's how he sort of evolved faster. Like I'll, I'll go sort of like a, like a, almost like a Marvel superhero thing. You know, He got a little bit of radiation in him when he's diving deep down and you know, like yeah. something's happened there.
1: Some things about this suggest it's in the far, far, far distant future. And some things suggest it's been, you know, a couple hundred years. I yeah. mean, it, it, I mean, and some less, stuff feels so like
0: it like yeah. Sometimes it feels like it's only been like a cut. Like if it wasn't by what some people have said, like if you just sort of like looked at the movie and didn't listen to like what they're saying, it feels like it's only a couple generations like mm. after like. Because I, I just feel a lot of the stuff that's in the movie that like they kind of find would be if it's like you know even just like a hundred years later would be completely gone. Like you wouldn't mm. be able to pull a National Geographic magazine out of the ocean and have it not be like destroyed. Literally, it'd be destroyed in like one year, but um, yeah, <laughs> it was none of that stuff's gonna last that long. But um, who knows? It probably could have been in like a watertight box, and so you know, there, yeah. there's all sorts of things. Kevin Costa's got a lot of time on his hands, let's be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, there's a lot of continuity uh issues with this film, and even just the polar ice cap thing by itself, they are read that. If, if they melted, it still wouldn't completely submerge the earth. It would just rise a few hundred feet would, I mean, this part of North Carolina that I'm in will probably be underwater, but maybe Appalachian mountains wouldn't be. So it was a stretch from the beginning, but the world is really, really cool. It is very Mad Maxi, but it's in some areas, they don't go far enough with it because Mm -hmm. like they have different words for things that they use. They have a different, um, know way of speaking uh so like water is hydro and different things like that but i wish they would have went a little further with it because it just it it feels because they can't read they don't really have a real culture but i feel like wish they would have just added a little bit more of that in there just for some world building but you know i think that's what kevin costner has a lot with his character that people just thought he was being wooden and dull but he you know there's (laughs) Language issues.
0: Well, it's kind of funny because I was watching the trailer beforehand just to kind of give a little refresher and so on like that. And in that trailer, they really presented out like, it's like this, like, it's almost like a family movie where it's like Kevin Costner and this lady, Helen, and the girl, and it's like, they're getting together to find, draw lane. It's like, it's like, it's like, well, one, like, like, that trailer's written so differently because Kevin Costner's just more like, he doesn't want anything to do with these people. These people keep getting in his way the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, he, if it was up to him, he would trade him off to the Robin Williams guy in a heartbeat, but Uh, you know what Mm -hmm. well those ones. like he he just really is that guy who's just like leave me alone let me go deep dive and hang out and Mm -hmm. you know enjoy my tomatoes
1: yeah like he's the you know in the mad max movies max is a little standoffish you know Mm -hmm. but he has compassion he likes the little kid and stuff kevin costner takes it to another level he's like i'm just gonna chuck this kid off a boat like just no compassion. Like he just looks at, he just looks at what's going on. It's like, oh, you know what? Things would be better if I just chucked the kid off the boat. She could stay cause she's fine, but the <laughs> kid can go. So yeah, it's, it's hilarious just how he's so nonchalant about chucking that little girl off the boat, which is probably my favorite part of the movie, honestly. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny too because it's like really, it's just that just feels like Kevin Costner. (laughs) Like, because that's the thing is Kevin Costner feels like he's like one of those actors, like he always plays those kind of characters anyway. So it's like that just seems like kind of like that's like him. It's like in Man of Steel (laughs) with Kevin Costner. I guess, but there's that part of yeah. Man of Steel when, like, he's literally telling Clark, you'd be like, like yo, what'd you, what were you doing saving that bus? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, but yeah, they're going to die. About that. Well, well, maybe they should die. Like, you know what? Tommy's on that bus. I hate that kid. <laughs> Yeah, he's always driving That'll his suck. stupid, like you know, 250cc bike around, you know, just the two stroke in it, the like, middle of the night. I'm, you know, what I was hoping he was gonna die. Like, what are you doing? Don't let anybody know. Like, like it's just like, this is that's not really doesn't, doesn't feel like uh Papa Ken. That definitely feels like Kevin Costner. Like, you know, what yeah. I chucked the girl off a boat when I, yeah, I chucking,
1: chucking the girl off the boat is still a little beyond Kevin Costner. It's more Alec Baldwin, I think. <laughs> See that is, I mean that's just oh my god, yeah. So okay, so here's here's the thing. So water world, it's an indefinite amount of time to see the future. Shit's waterlogged. That's all you got to know. There's no dry land. They don't think, mm-hmm. and well, some people believe it, but it's like a myth. It's like a legend. It's like just please God let there be dry land somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um everybody's living on these uh, atolls essentially, these like little. Um, islands that have been built, um, out of just, I guess, things that they found washed up, old, old remnants of human society, everything's rusted, dirty, falling apart. And they're at a time where it's this society that's been clinging on and this little system that they've created to keep the human race going, keep everything alive is actually falling apart now it's, it's not s- sustainable anymore. So, um, that's kind of where people kind of want to find dry land at this point. And then you have Dennis Hopper and the smokers who, um, are d- like desperately trying to find dry land because they want to build a golf course. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, and then in the middle of all this, you have this young girl and Nola, you don't know where she came from. She washed up at the atoll in a basket, like Moses mm-hmm. and was just ridiculous. But, you know, and uh, she's got a tattoo on her back, which is, you know, stays fresh, looks good. Yeah, Like one of the best tattoo artists left on on planet Earth just happened to be there. And um, she's got this uh, tattoo on her back that says it's a map to dry land. So she's kind of like everybody's fighting over this little girl, but nobody likes her simultaneously. Everybody can't stand her.
0: Yeah. She's a sweet little girl she's the nicest girl girl. yeah like you know what does she do like when the lights go out or something to these people (laughs) like you know what i mean like to create such hostility and it's weird because it's like these people there like the second that like you know kevin costner shows up like man with no name style they're like hey uh you want to bang our daughter you know we we need a fresh seed here like nobody else can do it anymore like we've we've done too much incest you know what i mean like Oh no, no! Don't leave yet. Like, like they're they're literally getting desperate at this point. And you know, Kevin Costas is just like, nah, don't need it. Like, uh, yeah. man, time by myself. Give me all your yeah. water. Give me your damn plants. I'm out of here.
1: Yeah, that character it seems like what he would have done is actually take her and be like, yeah, her a few times, kick her off the boat.
0: If this was a <laughs> '70s movie, if this was like the, that version of it, you know, when you have the very anti-hero type characters, like, yeah that would have been what would have. He would have just taken it, taken a couple other things while he was there, you know, it just not cared in the war, you know, at, at all.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. The, so yeah. Kevin Costner, he, uh, the mariner, he doesn't have a name yet. Yeah. Um, he goes up, you know, he's on his like crazy ass boat, um, which was uh, w- really cool. I love yeah. the design of that boat. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um washes up goes up to the atoll, he's trading in dirt, which is this currency, which makes me more frustrated about the cigarettes because I'm thinking so dirt's this big currency. Paper people are, you know, fascinated with and anything organic like plant life, uh people it's just huge, huge currency. And these smokers are just walking around with, you know, paper and tobacco. Yeah. I'm just like, that's that's a lot of money you're, you know, throwing away. And also, where did you get it? But that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, he he strides up on this um, atoll. He's got a jar of dirt. You don't know where he got it from. And um, he trades it in, gets a lot of cash, and it obviously draws a lot of attention and ire from the people there. Some of them want him to bang his daughter. Some of them want him dead. And then they end up finding out he's a mutant. He's got gills behind his ears.
0: So they, um, they start to get a little racy the second that they find that out, and they're like, you know what? Let's compost this man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> throw him in the, in the, in the, yeah, that's, oh gosh, I mean, it's a clever way of doing it, but can't you just throw these people in the ocean? Like,
0: well, they no, they, they they want see. That's the whole point. They they need to compost them because that's the only way they can. Because they still have gardens true. there and so on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like that. That's their like circle of life thing. There is by composting people. So yeah. you, you think these people are nice people until they are like, wait a second, we're gonna compost this man who's you yeah know, who does who <laughs> who who turns out our daughters.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they become suspicious of him that he has all this money. They think he's a smoker spy. Some of them, so they have a giant meeting about him.
0: So the smoker we're... spy sitting there already.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Gene Triplehorn is um, her, her character, Helen. is mm-hmm. kind of fascinated by the man and advocates for his, uh, you know, not being turned into compost. And there's a lot of discussion. And one thing I do, I do know for a fact is not in the theatrical cut that was in this cut is where they start like lobbying to not only get rid of Gene Triplehorn's character, Helen, but the little girl too. They're like, get this. Like the smokers want her. You know, we know that she's valuable because she's got this map on her, this tattoo. Get her out of here, and um, yeah. So, right when they're getting ready to compost, Kevin Costner—that's when the smokers show up. There's this big battle scene, and that scene is amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. That—that's that one. That's like it's one of the best you know like action scenes i mean that's why they created the Waterworld ride or uh like in a sense play at universal studios you know that still is there today which always blows Mm -hmm. my mind because it's the fact that once again you know people always want to kind of you know forget about this movie but it's like that ride is like still the biggest one attraction there you know Mm -hmm. and it, it always holds up it's always one of the coolest things because they just recreate that whole battle scene in a sense in a little bit different ways but um But yeah, there's that whole scene, and that's like, you know, that happens in the first hour, and you get this ginormous action scene where the Smokers invade, and like, you know, really, the Smokers, I think, is one of the coolest villains. You know, Dennis Hopper, I feel like, choose the scenery so well in this one. This might be one of his best movies of all time, you know. I mean, this is, in my opinion, it's like this one and him playing Bowser are like two of the best ones.
1: (laughs) Dennis Hopper in this is so good. So good. It's, so he... The thing is about, so there's definitely a comedic element to his character. They, the, one of the complaints I do have about the film is that they didn't understand the tone Mm -hmm. of the bad guys. So Dennis Hopper is a little campy and a little funny, but with, he's also dangerous and maniacal and evil and twisted and which leads to him being kind of funny. So, but with the rest of the bad guys, there's a little bit of more camp, a little bit more silliness. And it doesn't tonally, It doesn't work as well, like like the whole Jack Black scene. It is funny, like they killed Earl, but it doesn't feel like it fits in the same movie. You know, yeah. there, so,
0: some of those smokers are a little bit almost like too goofy. You know, and then they they do that thing where they're practically slipping on banana peels once in a while. You know,
1: yeah, Schumacher you know, Batman villains.
0: Yeah, they definitely sometimes go a little bit much into that direction. But even just like the overallness of like the smokers, I just think there's like the idea, like you got these guys, they're just these like pirate raiders. They're always smoking cigarettes the whole time. You know what I mean? You know, uh, you know, or as I say, not motorboating it, but uh, um, what's the word? Motorcycle, motorcycling it all over, d- you know, deep diving with them and everything like that. They got the last plane known to mankind literally flying around still. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's always the impressive thing. It's like, I think about all these engines. How do these engines have been lasting for this? Don't think about it. You can't. You can't. You you, you can't. You got to give a little bit of magic, you know, a little little bit of water world radiation magic.
1: Yeah, there's something going on here. Like, it's just things are falling apart. The scope of that scene, the practical effects, it's, first of all, these are tolls that they built. It's a full set. It's a full set. I read it's the size of a football stadium. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of the production designers, they told them how big it was. They thought they were joking. They fly out there. It's massive. They had to f- fly in all these special parts to an airport and they had to clear out the runway. That's why this film ballooned. It Not only is it difficult to film on water and you run into all kinds of problems that you wouldn't even think of. Like I was reading through through the trivia and getting anxiety, thinking about how difficult it is just to shoot on the water. But then you consider they have these sets that are just insane but boy they utilize them it looks so it, just the, the jet skis going around the airplane all the style all the thing. is such a big spectacle it really is insane
0: oh yeah and that's the thing it's like it, even for all the difficulties that it goes through to shoot on water i will say at the end of the day all those movies that are made on the water though they do pull it off really well. Like that's the thing is that the the end result, even if it costs an arm and a leg, literally, like does become pretty awesome. Though I do think with the water, it's kind of funny because if it's like, dude, I thought they figured out this water thing in the forties because literally on like the Seahawk with like Errol Flynn for that movie, they they have in Warner Brothers they had literally a pool room like indoors where you could fit two complete complete-sized pirate ships next to each other in there, so you could do pirate battles indoors you know and those things are like marvelous looking in that film you know so it's kind of funny how like they you know they they kind of had that dialed in granted on an older movie you could kind of especially I think that movie's black and yeah. white so you could kind of get you you could kind of get a little bit more away and make it still look like it is outdoors but you know you wouldn't notice it the same way that like this movie here needs that scope and as i said that's that's what makes it such a marvelous spectacle
1: This movie, this is a hot take. You know how I feel about practical effects Mm -hmm. and how important they are. This movie, if you are a fan of set pieces practical effects, real explosions, great costumes, just aesthetic out the ass. This movie has it in space. I mean, this, this is one of the most, this one, that's why it was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. It's, it spares no expense on just the look and the feel of the film. Mm -hmm. But I will say this. I'm not advocating for getting rid of any of the, um, you know, the practical effects in this film, but this is a film that would have benefited greatly from modern CGI. Taking the, the land out of the background, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't have to worry about where you're shooting all the time and having everything set up in the right place. Yeah. Like Max Max Road is a great example. Like there's CGI in there and it actually has a pretty big role, but you don't notice it. Yeah. And I, I That was one thing about if they shot this film today, if they made like a sequel to it, that type of CGI would really benefit. It would bring the cost down tremendously because aerial shots of the atoll, that's fine. You know what I mean? As long as you build it practically, you don't Mm -hmm. explore that whole thing. Anyway, you don't need all of it, you know, to be practical. So it would have benefited a lot. I think this film, (laughs) if it would have been made like five years later.
0: Well, it's funny, too, because this movie does have a little bit of CG in it like that, because like, mm-hmm. I want to say this movie is one of the first movies to really utilize some, some extra fire CG, like when they are on the big tanker towards the end, mm-hmm. there's that. And then, of course, there's the sea monster that's like the one mutate thing that's in there that's like CG that eats Kevin Costner for a second, you know. Which, uh, that's the scene. I remember, like, I sometimes I always forget about that scene. It's like, oh, yeah, there's that, there's that weird CG monster thing that's in there for a mm-hmm. second. I thought it looked pretty well, though. No, like, it, do, it, it does look good, though. I mean, for 1995 CG, it's pretty dialed in.
1: Yeah, it reminded me of the, the the fish from episode one, Phantom Menace, that first gets a hold of the, Yeah, you know. There's always a bigger fish. Always a bigger fish. Yeah, I thought about that when I was watching it, which was such a friggin' awesome scene, so... Yeah. So Kevin Costner, you know, he's at the atoll. He's about to get turned into sludge and be composted. That's when the smokers show up, Dennis Hopper and all his grand, you know, whatever. And this war breaks out. It's huge. It's massive. It, you know, big in scale. And in the middle of it, as he's sinking into the to the abyss and to the compost, he is saved by Helen and Enola, which is alone spelled backwards, which is kind of the dorkiest reason for a name i've ever heard in a movie um and i knew as soon as i heard i was like there's something to that name i'm like oh god that was it i'm such an idiot um but um which i still don't even know what that was supposed to mean honestly
0: she's alone from the
1: yeah i guess i don't know so um yeah so So Kevin Costner saved up, you know, Helen and Nola and the agreement is, hey, if we save you, you got to take us with us. So he's like, they're like, oh yeah, you can come with me. They do this amazing thing to get out. They blow out Dennis Hopper's eye and then they get on the boat with him and they're like, wow, we should have just let him die because he is a massive, massive dick. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah sorry. they learned right off the bat they they thought that they were gonna have bad of the smokers there and then they get with kevin costner you know what's one thing i gotta say before because because now the next act of the movie because this other movies like almost those ones like the first you know hours like the atoll i mean you get that great intro battle scene too actually and then um then you go the next you know hour which is literally just the three of them pretty much out on the sea it's funny how like for how big of a set the atoll is that you don't come there's never like, they didn't use it like later in the movie. Like you just surprised that Like, I mean, I I know that like it breaks down in there and of course the smokers destroy pretty much everything in it, but it's kind of weird to build that whole thing and be like, Oh, we're only going to really actually use this for about 40 minutes.
1: (laughs) Well, real quick, not to get too far off what we were talking about, but I might be confused about this, but what I was reading is that there was another faction and another atoll that they built that they completely took out of the film. So there was like another group of people, I guess, that, and another atoll that they go to, and that one just was scrapped completely. Yeah,
0: you know, I uh, think I because the special features, I, I, I haven't watched them since like when I first got that Blu-ray, but. I do. I, I want to say I thought they built two of them for filming reasons, and then they were mm-hmm. almost there. At one point, was going to go somewhere else, and then like it sort of changed. But I, I think they they did use. I think they built two of them just for if like one got kind of destroyed too. Like mm-hmm. they literally spent no expense, just like they did double get destroyed. One. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not really sure what happened with that. I, it does seem like there was at one point in time a they had two for like a spare no expense type of thing, but also. I think there were there was there was an idea of another faction of people that they were going to throw in there in the second act, another atoll that they go to. Um, but you know, this film, you know, people say it's kind of boring and dull. That second act, where they're on the boat together, I mm-hmm. loved it. That's I, I one do of too. Favorite parts of the film.
0: It's one of those ones like it It, it definitely the, the action calms down and it's mostly just the three of them, like almost like you guess in, in a family drama on top of a boat sailing in the God knows where. But I think that's almost like and that's the thing is, I think, yeah, when you build up all that action, you kind of expect more action. And more of this is the part where you're just learning about characters. You're learning about like little tidbits of the world because in this process, like you get those really cool scenes. Like I love that one too, where Kevin Costner takes Helen. He's like, you want you want to see dry land? I'll show you dry land. And then he dives down and, you know, brings her in that little like, you know, submarine that he's built.
1: <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous, but it's, yeah. it's cool. It,
0: it literally looks like something that you would have built like as a kid where you're like, I'm going to go down the bottom of my pool, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> and hang out for the rest of the day and like, I hope that like our parents don't think we've drowned, <laughs> you know, we're well, actually hope we don't drown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of those things. Like, that's what it kind of reminds me of. Like when you like as kids, you'd grab a raft and drag it, you know, weight it down and try to bring it down with the air still inside of it. But, um, like, you get that where it's like, he goes down, and he's like, here's the, you know, like, look, here's the city, here's all the stuff that, like, this is the world that it was, and, you know, kind of, like, really opening her eyes to being like, oh, wait a second, I thought we were just living on water this whole time, you know, like, it, everything's covered and buried, and, you know, this is where he finds all his interesting artifacts that he's got, you know, scattered throughout his boat and his collection.
1: Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think? <laughs> like, I was just thinking of the Little Mermaid the whole time. Every time. It's a dingo hopper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man thinking think of, go- think of bobs i got 20 um yeah it's kind of like a little mermaid thing going on but yeah so he's on the boat the little girl finds 500 year old crayons that work just fine um <laughs> and she's drawing all over the boat and she's got like that was a neat character thing i liked about her that all the characters are annoyed by it in the film but she's she compulsively draws, and it's always imagery of like dry land stuff mm-hmm. that these people don't quite get. And um, like Kevin Costner kind of understands it because he's you know got stat, he's got a National Geographic subscription that's five <laughs> many, <four laughs> years old um, that's been submerged in water. I don't know how many times, and it just you know
0: yeah, those National Geographic I tell you they're made out of strong paper. They really killed some trees for those did
1: you notice the Pepsi thing did you notice the the Pepsi um like advertising where they went down to the city and there was a Pepsi can down there like obviously a Pepsi can
0: <laughs> yeah just hanging out 500 years later
1: it, dude, Pepsi did not do they if there was a movie that had a budget over 30 million dollars. They're gonna find a way to stick a fucking Pepsi in that goddamn movie, like they were like. And I, you know, I love Pepsi, but that was their yeah. whole thing in the '90s. But when I saw the Pepsi can, I'm like, fucking, like, what's he gonna find? Like, so, this is a Taco Bell wrapper. Like, oh, he opens,
0: just starts drinking it down there. Oh
1: man, he says, Oh man, five five hundred year old is so much better than five hundred year old Coca Cola." Um, <laughs> yeah, just like I, I was like oh, even my Dad's this, root y'all. beer. <laughs> Yeah, God damn! I couldn't believe it. I saw the I saw the Pepsi can. I'm like, of course, of course. Which I don't know if made that that made it theatrical or not. But um, yeah. I mean, I got one behind me for this. Yeah, I'm sorry, other side,
0: other side. Yeah,
1: yeah, mirrored. Yeah, but um, yeah. I just thought that was funny. But yeah. So, but yes, she's drawing all over his boat. He's getting pissed off and like. I just like how he's just so casually an asshole. Like he's eating that tomato in front of him and then he cuts it in half. Like, okay, he's going to give him the other half. And then he cuts that half into half and he still eats it. And then they're like going to eat, get the seeds. Like, Oh, all that's left is like the residue from the seeds and the, they get so close to it. He sops that up too.
0: (laughs) That's, I mean, the whole time he's just being an ass. He's being like, you know, like, you know, and nobody could drink my piss water.
1: Yeah, that was, the, that was the, all of a sudden, the piss water's hilarious. I love how they do that in the movie. But, um, like, he just pees in it, recycles, drinks his pee, pees again, and recycles the same pee. He's been drinking the same pee for, you know, forever.
0: Yeah, well, it's one of those ones, like, you know, without recycling, you know, you can drink your pee seven times in a row before, uh, like, it goes, like, I guess, poisoned or whatnot. Mm. So, if, if you're yeah. ever, like, out, you know, you know, stuck in the middle of the wilderness and you've ran out of water and... You know, and then you you can also this is the one thing that nobody ever says, but you can literally drink a pint of seawater a day and still be fine. You just sure. got to watch how, yeah, you just got to watch out how much you drink. You know, mm. so you 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 can drink you know a bit of that every single day if you ever got stuck out at sea. You just can't drink too much of it.
1: I also watched a thing on Survivor Man. I love love Survivor Man, and mm-hmm. he 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 made water one time. He did like all this stuff and condensation and blah 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 i don't know he made water yeah. yeah you could do it on the small scale which is kind of what's going on there but yeah he drinks his own piss <laughs> he basically oh, that, gives that, a
0: that, that, i love all the, that that's the intro of the movie too i really like like th- that's how this movie opens up is literally kevin costner's peeing into a jug and then filtering it and then drinking it all in one long tag
1: yeah <laughs> Perfect opening to the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. But the whole the whole dynamic with them on the boat—how he's such a dick to the little girl, tells her to stop stealing his crayons like he's a (laughs) five-year-old child—throws him off the boat. But what's what's even more dickish about the whole thing is that like they are—they're literally starving, and they won't shut up about it. Like we want food, and he's like, oh you bitches!" And And then he goes out and gets them the biggest fucking fish. It literally took. Him three minutes to get them as much food as they've ever eaten in their entire lives, and he just let them starve anyway. Which what, that was my favorite thing. I was like, oh god, he could so, just got a giant fish this whole time, and
0: yeah, he, he, yeah, it's like one well, of Like it's, it seems like he does this on the regular. Like he, he's yeah. got, he's got the secrets down.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. He just I was like, you could have just I mean, that giant piece of blubber. He just throws down.
0: Yeah. He's like, oh, here, we'll make, we'll make some sashimi right here. You know, that
1: was probably literally the most they've ever
0: eaten. Yeah, probably, they've probably they've never seen that ridiculous amount. You know, I mean, they got to wait for somebody to die to get some fertilization going.
1: Yeah. Which another that was another disappointing thing, though, about the film was like the wildlife like the sea creatures, because they kind of imply that now they've turned into monsters like they're just because it's just ocean mm-hmm. and just um, their world now. So you get the, the one fish you do see is massive, but then you don't really see, you
0: anything, don't see else. anything else. Mm-hmm. You don't see anything else. Do you see a seagull later on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah yeah <laughs> and, and a horse like that that's the thing is like i will say it's like it's that weird one where it's like this movie's got like the biggest budget air but you're almost like man you know you you would like to see almost more of how this world could go it, it does sort of it's almost that weird thing that they almost probably c- could have not even had that mutant fish in there and then it would just never you would never even question that you know what i mean that mutant fish makes you go man now, now I, what else are we going to see later in this movie and since you know that's don't, true it's almost one of those scenes that probably shouldn't have been in there. He should have just caught a regular fish or whatever. Like, he, he could have done the same thing. He could have just dove down, went down, punched a dolphin, threw it up on board. You know, <laughs> really made people. It's, it's Kevin Costner's character. He, he, he's not going to go down and get a tuna. What do you think he's getting?
1: Punch <laughs> a dolphin. What's funny is he made friends with a dolphin <laughs> on this movie. Kevin Costner did. He had a dolphin named Noodle he became friends with. And he fed him shrimp.
0: Oh, yeah. There we go.
1: Yeah, he didn't punch him.
0: He didn't punch him. (laughs) I tried to feed, you know, feed the little girl to the dolphin at one point, but
1: picture Kevin Costner cocked back, (laughs) waiting for this dolphin just to pop up to get some air.
0: Pow! There you go. Eat that,
1: fuck ass bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the second ex them stuck on the boat, learning to like each other. It does culminate in a really pretty scene that I'm pretty sure was cut theatrically. I read the scene where he's got the CD player. And so if you've only seen the theatrical version, you've probably never seen this. He's got like a little CD player that still works. Even though it's 500 years old, that's hooked up to a battery that still works. Even though it's 500 years old. Don't don't worry about it.
0: That's okay. He's He's got his windmill that produces energy.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. His little windmill that produces energy. And he's listening to basically your, your Spotify late night jazz playlist that, you know, you, (laughs) but out there on the ocean, it's just something really romantic about it, really nice and he's finally opening up being less of a dick to, you know, Helen and the Enola and she comes over and has a conversation with him and that was one of the best character moments. I thought that was done so well mm-hmm. and for them to cut that out. I was like, that's really stupid. I, I that was a good scene.
0: Well, and that's, that's the thing is that's the majority of like the, the stuff that's cut out is all that stuff on the boat because Mm -hmm. you know, that first hour pretty much, I don't think any of that first hour, there might be maybe some extended scenes and some other little things in there, but that first hour is generally about from the regular movie. And the second they're back on the ocean, like that part in the, in the theatrical version is actually kind of short. Like, you know, it's like, it's almost like they're only out in the ocean for like a half an hour instead of an hour, you know? Mm And you don't have a lot of the other stuff. I mean, there's some other, there's some extra Dennis Hopper stuff too. Some you know other things he sort of says that kind of extends that. But I think those ones are more extended scenes, less um, and added not, stuff. Yeah, they're, they're not full cut scenes, but instead they add like, okay, well, you know, Dennis Hopper had a handful of more lines here, or some of the characters around him did in the smoker den
1: yeah there's the second act is really good it, like we mentioned before you can get rid of the scene there's this bad salt robin williams guy that he looks like robin williams acts like him but like imagine him on bath salts yeah and they pull up on this other boat and they're gonna barter and helen encourages kevin costner the mariner to barter because they're hungry they want some food and this guy ends up on the boat and he agrees to yeah, you can have forty five minutes with a lady. Give me that piece of paper that I don't know how to read, and I'm going to give you forty five minutes down below with this lady. And um, then he changes his heart and goes in there and kills the kills the guy. bassalls Robin Williams, um, and that was the scene. And you could take it out, but it is a lot more character building in there, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. So, no, well, and then and then it does add that kind of creepy factor of that, like when you're out on the ocean here and you run into somebody. You, you never know really what you, you almost can't trust anybody. I mean, that's even kind of dictated in the very first scene in the movie where mm-hmm. that one dude robs his limes right off the bat. Thank oh that, Yeah. Yeah. That you can't trust anybody out here.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a very dog eat dog out there, which of course it would be, you know, in a mm-hmm. dystopian hellscape that's covered in water. But, um, yeah, I, I, all that character building just makes for a better movie. I just, you're more invested in the characters, I thought the performances were good with them too. I mean, mm-hmm. and the chemistry between, you know, Kevin Costner and, you know, Gene Triplehorn, I thought was good. Um, so yeah, I just, that second act was great. I actually liked it. And then they come up at one point. The only thing I didn't like, there's that one point where they come up on Dennis Hopper's character and they got the dead bodies up there and he's using like strings to make them wave. Mm-hmm. And, um, she thinks that Kevin Costner was going to sell her to them, but I didn't feel, I didn't get that impression from.
0: So, no, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's supposed to be like, that was maybe, yeah, I, I didn't really either. Like maybe that was his initial plan or something like that. I, I felt like that was just like, he was just going there once again, to trade again. And then she got kind of like, wait a second. Like the last time mm-hmm. you almost sold me to like the knockoff Robin Williams guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, that, that whole scene was kind of weird, but when they finally, you know, end up capturing Anola and they take her to the Smoker's hideout, that scene with Dennis Hopper talking to her mm-hmm. and kind of creep her out is so good. Like Dennis yeah. Hopper is so engaging. Like when he, the more, like he, when he's talking in this movie, then when he has screen time, that's all you're focused on. Like he is. Yeah. Really, shoot up scenery. I like him better. I thought he was better than Disney. Was his Bowser? This is
0: oh yeah. No, I I think this is like that one. It's just like he's so primed in this, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's just like this is that good era of like Dennis Hopper's sort of comeback from like the late eighties. Because you know, it's like he got kind of booted out from like the seventies to like you know the mid eighties. He just wasn't really allowed to be in a whole lot of stuff. And then it's like, this is his good comeback part where he's just getting all these great roles, even though most of them are all villainy kind of roles. But mm-hmm. man, he's just so good of a job at it. And just, yeah, just the way his character is, the way he looks. I like that. It's like when he's got the eye patch on, it's just kind of cool. It's like, oh, it's just a, you know, swim goggles where he's just using one of the the dark lenses is like the eye patch, you know, and it's strapped across his head.
1: Yeah, actually, I thought it was it looked to me like a football face, like a chin guard. This is kind of what it looked like to me.
0: Oh, I always thought it was like goggles because it's missing one lens and then it's got the other lens that goes across. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I can't tell. I thought it was maybe the strap. Maybe. The yeah, I, I
0: didn't <clears> think about <throat> that. But maybe that could at this point it could be anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I like, you know, that whole thing with the character shooting his eye out and having him have the patch on there's extra piratey. And, you know, he's just a good leader of a motorcycle gang. He's just, you know, that's what he is. He's the head head uh, Hell's Angel, you know, yeah. and they're just a bunch of ravenous people. So the capture the girl. One thing that we didn't mention is, you know, the uh, Michael Jeter's character mm-hmm. when they're at the atoll. He's the one guy who's really sympathetic to uh, Helen and Enola. And he's kind of this wacky inventor guy. It doesn't flush him out very well. It doesn't flush out his relationship to those two girls very well mm-hmm. and what exactly he is but he has, he has made this giant balloon and the two girls almost get on it, but he he gets away and he can't stop it. So he's just kind of like floating through the air. And, um, so at one point, you know, they're stranded Kevin Costner and Gene Shepard Helen's Helen character. They do it because what else are you going to do? They're going to die, you know, in the middle mm-hmm. of the ocean. And then the guy on the balloon shows up and saves them. <clears throat> and that's where they, they they found another atoll that they're starting to build like a new atoll and like it's <laughs> just little... like
0: six canoes strapped together
1: <laughs> yeah yeah which is probably how they all started anyway yeah but um yeah so they're starting this new atoll they're just kind of floating through the you know, oh god this is so how bored would you be
0: yeah just like god uh, yeah and it's one of those ones like it's like you you get why Kevin is like, no, no, I'm going back out to sea. <laughs> mm-hmm. God forbid if you is anyone gonna like, you know, get me to stay down here.
1: <laughs> yeah, f that. But um you lead, what it leads to is the you know, the third act and the final battle scene, which is good. It's not as good as the other one.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: but it is really good
0: it is once you have the other one it's kind of hard to like how do you top that the first battle you know the, the atoll battle scene mm-hmm. but it is cool the way that the smokers kind of live is that they're just living on this giant barge that's a big old oil tanker and mm-hmm. that's how they get all their fuel and that's how they get all the stuff that you know they can fly the planes and you know uh motorboat it and all that stuff and um and um, the cool thing about it is that, like, I like how they've they've set it up that it's almost like this rustic, like, Viking ship. There's a bunch of oars sticking out the side of it. So when mm-hmm. they need to move it around and all this stuff, and it's just filled to the brim of Jack Daniels and cigarettes somehow, some way.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they've kind of the old captain, they've kind of recognized as a deity. And, yeah. they, you know, it was just hilarious to me because it's pictures up there and they kind of think that he's like this God or whatever because that's something we haven't really touched on. They're kind of religious zealots. Mm -hmm. They believe that their job is kind of to bring back the old world, I guess, to an extent. Uh, It doesn't really flesh that out very well, but they're kind of a religious cult too. Yeah. Um, So yeah, the one cool thing about that action scene is, is more of the Kevin Costner sneaking around the boat, being badass and like sneaking up behind people. Um, because, you know, it feels like he's just like on another plane of like evolution altogether. Not only does he have gills, but he's just better, faster, stronger, smarter than everybody too. Because he just mm-hmm. kind of slices through that boat like, like butter on his way to Save Anola and his confrontation with Dennis Hopper.
0: Yeah. He he just goes up there and whatnot and just like he doesn't care. He's he's got a flare. He's gonna blow the living daylights out of all their oil.
1: That was the CGI. Fly yeah, is that yeah
0: th- th- that's where they used all that because i think i almost want to say the special features that was like one of the first times that they there's a couple cg things in that whole scene there that, that was like almost like the first time that they've ever done that on a major motion picture mm. like i almost yeah. want to say the fire was a very brand new thing right there even though i want to say there's still fire in t2 that's cg but um but like still like whatever whatever it was like that that would that and then there's a couple other things that go along with it i can't remember off the top of my head but like when they had, shoot. yeah they they just got some extra cgs like also i think some of the background stuff is actually that's like one of the first times they ever changed background stuff out as well too like in that uh on that boat scene and so on like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah that whole scene was, was amazing where he finally confronts and you know blows the shit out of the boat drops the the flare down there and causes all this chaos and you know, there's the big fight scene and um, one person we didn't mention was like there's this second creepy guy other than Dennis Hopper. I can't remember what his character's name, um, but he's got a really cool look. He kind of reminds me, he he is the most Mad Max character in all of it. Is um oh gosh what is his the, name
0: like the guy who's got kind of like the lion the lion mane long yeah. hair yeah that's what he he literally has that like he's Nord. almost yeah Nord he's like second in charge he look he's he's almost like a medieval sort of like villain
1: yeah he's he is really he hates kevin costner he tries to you know swindle him at the beginning of the movie and kevin costner gets kind of the best of him. so he's kind of like a personal vendetta against him a little bit and um kind of feels like he's playing his own game like he's even eventually playing dennis hopper's car- you know deacon out mm-hmm. of uh his plan too so but yeah he's a really really good feeling very really very imposing guy um but yeah kevin costner confronts them blows his shit out of the boat, rescues Enola. Then it's got the kind of John Woo thing going on where like, Oh, he saved her. Nope. Plane crashed. Oh, he saved her again. Nope. We're going to shoot her out of the boat, you know? And then the way Deacon dies kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie. The, the three jet skis collide together. kind of.
0: Yeah. Like, kind of, and the weird bungee jumping with just a regular piece of rope. <laughs> yeah. Like what did the, yeah. Like wouldn't that don't, you know? Yeah, it's one of those ones, Just I feel like a little bit of suspension of disbelief will make it go a little bit farther than it should. But yeah, that, that seems one of those ones where I, I do, I've always kind of thought that one was a little bit like a little bit too, I think it's, that, that, that might be like one of those ones like- Somebody wanted to try out some new, like, special effects. That—that's really what happened there. They're like, "Hey, we can do this really cool thing that nobody's ever done before," and it's like one of those ones. Like, probably a simpler, cooler, like, fight would have just done the trick. And yeah, yeah Or you, even realistically, I always thought this way: skip the rope. If he would have just dove out, that would have been just badass enough. Is he? She goes down, and he's like, "Well, you know, well, I'm the fish man. I'm just going to literally high dive out of this helicopter thing." Mm-hmm. And don't I don't need the rope. You guys can just come pick me up again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, pick us mm-hmm. up out of the water. Like he dives down, takes out Dennis Hopper, however, and then grabs Anola. They, you know, come by and get repicked up again. That would have been almost kind of probably more interesting.
1: See, earlier in the film, what I thought was going to happen, because I could not remember the end of this. And what I thought was mm-hmm. going to happen, he's setting up this, um, you know, he tells her not to touch that gun. And I thought that was going to be a thing that continued on. And then that was how he was, she was gonna kill Dennis Hopper at the end of it. Like he's about to get him and Anola, and all of a sudden spear through the head, you know? Uh, that would be pretty, pretty badass too, but.
0: Yeah, she saves him, like almost like after with the final thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, like the, everything kind of come in full circle. But um, yeah, so there you go, Dennis Hopper's dead. And um, well, okay, De- Deacon is dead, Dennis Hopper's literally dead now, Yeah, um, but not in the movie. Um, and then you get to, so now they're going for the dry land. It's kind of boring how they get there. Then they get there and this is definitely a part I'd never seen before because I feel like in the movie, the movie I saw, it was very, very different how they find dry land. And it was very quick. It was like, Oh, we're here. And then it was over. Um, mm-hmm. this is definitely more extended. And this is where you find out why it's the Ulysses cut, um, but it's kind of corny too.
0: Well, it's kind of weird because this is like the fourth act of the movie, and I kid you not, I did check because I thought that that too. I was like, I think the f- the theatrical version. I'm like, because I was almost thinking, I'm like, does the theatrical version do they even find the dry land, or is that just where it cuts the credits? It actually does go through a lot more of that scenes than I remember in the theatrical cut because I put that disc in afterwards just to take a look, and, uh, and there is some like extended scenes in there and some and some longer in between stuff, but the majority of that stuff all still happens in mm-hmm. the original version which i didn't for some reason i almost pictured that movie ending sp- pretty much like right after they defeat you know dennis hopper and then they get to dry land or whatever and that's kind of about it because it really becomes almost like it's a short act but it's like a fourth act really
1: yeah i i feel like there is a cut that is very short like that because i've seen i've felt the same way too i didn't remember any of that and um like, I, I'm like you, I pretty much only watched this off television. I don't think I ever watched a um, DVD or VHS of this ever. I think it was always just, oh, it's on TNT or wherever they showed. I think they should on TNT a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just didn't remember that. I remember them finding the plaque that says, spoiler, the dry land is Mount Everest. Yeah. And I feel like they get there, they they see that plaque and then that was it. That's what I remember. I don't remember the horses or the houses, the little huts they found. Um, I'm assuming that was supposed to be Anola's parents.
0: Yeah, because you, you go in there and like it shows all like the the same tattoos and so on like that. You know, like they're drawing all those papers there, and she okay. she recognizes the musical box.
1: Okay, well, what happened to them?
0: Well, yeah, that's what I kind of thought too, because it's like the weird thing is is unless there was like some disease and they just like chucked her off. Like, you know, the baby and willow right off the, the, it almost feels more like she was lost at sea. And that's what happened there. That like, it like, cause there's a lot of stuff here. You get almost kind of like piece together your own version, because that seems mm-hmm. like a long distance of travel from, uh, and just in a carriage. If you're not lost at sea, yeah. it would make more sense if the parents kind of like, it, they're like, let's just say they, they were, they were taken down in a hurricane or something like that. You know, and she happened to be the only survivor of like once the ship all broke up. And that's how she kind of got to the, you know, its the civilization and so on like that. But here it looks like almost like they almost died of like a disease or something like that or something mm-hmm. happened.
1: She's like Superman. Like they chuck her out the instead of space, the open sea. Yeah. And she's kind of like special. But like, yeah, that I mean, when they defeat Deacon, it takes them forever to get to dry land like this seems like they're starving and almost dying
0: mm-hmm. and then they
1: see the little bird and then oh dry land so it's like why well, the fuck did she make it there in that basket like without food or drink or it, it doesn't and then what killed the parents like why did they send her away like is this dry land okay like <laughs> it was like is this actually a death sentence to everybody so they just made it more confusing they should have yeah. definitely not shown that in there at all like you know huts that there was a previous civilization here but it's not there anymore it's still kind of iffy because you're like, okay, well, why do they all die? But whatever.
0: No. Yeah. It, well, I think that the, the, this movie is supposed to have some of those, like, it's not supposed to explain everything really, which I do kind of give it sometimes credit for doing that. Cause I think mm-hmm. that does kind of work. Some movies I don't like when they do that. I feel like, no, no, no. It's your story. You tell me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, But this one does almost at the same time though, it does make me feel like, gosh, it's, it is one of those kind of concepts that you could really run with this again. Like whether if you had a water world 2 or even, I hate to sort of say, I don't think you could really, you wouldn't be able to, I just feel like it wouldn't be done right. But let's just say if it was done right, this, if this movie had a remake to it, would be kind of an interesting one to see like how you could do that.
1: I would be, I would advocate for a remake for this. I think there's some things that, listen, I'm pro practical effects, but again, I think there's some things about CGI that mm-hmm. would make this movie a lot easier to film. Um, but yeah, I'm with you though. I'm fine with mystery. I don't think everything needs to be answered. I'm I'm not one of those people. But there's a difference between not answering a question and then introducing an idea that contradicts everything else and makes yeah. it more confusing. And that's that was a lot of the stuff when they get to that island or Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. It's like what what are you trying to say here? But in the movie they get there and then Mariner leaves and you don't want him to.
0: But you know what? Yeah. I, I, I sort of get it. Like when he leaves, I I'm it. like, I, I, I get it. You know what I mean? This is what he knows. And, and if you could go swimming deep down in the ocean with no scuba gear or anything like that, why would you want to be on land? Let's be honest. Like you're king of the sea. He's literally Aquaman. He is Aquaman.
1: And was, but see, you could like live on the outskirts of the island and, you know, be on the ocean, kind of come and go back and then come and get your. You, but it's so hard to get water. It's so hard to get food it's so hard to do all these things so i don't care if you have gills or not like you have fresh water there in abundance just falling off the mountain Mm -hmm. like you stay there and you know enjoy that (laughs) enjoy that fresh water um but you know it's i don't know i have mixed feelings on it it's but that's where in the extended cut or the ulysses cut that's where she, she's really sad that he's leaving, but he she gives him a name, and that name is Ulysses, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, she uses the Roman version, not Odysseus, the Greek version.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Ulysses just sounds better, I think.
0: No, yeah, I, I think that does, especially for like that there too. And then that's like, and then he's like, "See you out of here," you know. But I almost feel like it sounds kind of weird. Like that's almost set up well, where like it could end right there but it could hundred percent be a sequel where he comes back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I think that you, you could totally have, if you, let's just say you had world water world Two and it came out in like 99, you know, and you could see Kevin Costner comes back. They got a little bit of a civilization going there, mm-hmm. you know, of whatever, maybe, you know, and maybe cause you know, he says, Hey, if I find anybody else, he could come back with like a party of other people. And then you could start to have this sort of mixed match of like, there's dry land, And now there's people coming to take over dry land and and that could be where the conflict starts to become you know Mm -hmm. now now there's a a war for dry land
1: yeah that's where they would have went with it and you could definitely see where they could turn this into a franchise if they didn't go way over budget and this film was not intended to be the most expensive movie ever made it just became that yeah pain in the ass but um yeah if this film would have stayed on budget and they would have heeded the advice from Steven Spielberg and not do what they did, then I could see this film getting, I think it would have been really profitable. Yeah. And I think that they would have probably made a sequel or two. So,
0: well, and it's so weird how, with movies especially, the profit thing almost affects. The, the reviews and the ratings of movies I, I it's one of those ones it's like that's it's the most like illogical thing ever but like if a movie just doesn't make money it's just considered a bad movie like it could be the best movie ever but if it doesn't make money it's like well i must be a one out of four movie like can't be that good then didn't make money it's like it's just such a weird thing that people don't see that like hey don't know this and i'm not saying that this movie's still actually like I, I feel the majority of people would Still say this movie's pretty solid, you know. I think it still has a pretty strong cult following, <coughs> and you know, I mean, the, there's always going to be like naysayers, no matter what. But it's that weird thing that money sometimes makes a movie. Like if a movie makes if it makes a ton of money, it's automatically a four out of four movie. It doesn't matter, yeah. even if it's not that great of a movie. But you know,
1: well, word of mouth in the '90s, and '80s, and '70s meant more than it does today. Because today, you get a movie, you get like eight trailers Mm -hmm. you get all these you know things that are released all these interviews that are released on the internet at your whim whenever you can see it sometimes back in the day unless you had like entertainment weekly you would see a trailer for a movie and then you're like it piques your interest and you don't see anything else about it again until you know the tv spots hit and then you go to the movie Mm -hmm. and you couldn't just watch those whenever you wanted to you had to wait for them to see on tv so uh back then word of mouth was a big deal so when the critics decided that they hated this movie before it even came out. So I think I read it in IMDb. Somebody speculated that the critics cost this movie probably about $50 million. Yeah. Which, you know.
0: Well, they talked about that in the special features, too. They're like, the critics were the ones that really screwed over the movie more than anything else. Because yeah. they just wanted to hate it. It was just something that, like, Kevin Costner, they want to throw him under the bus. You know, just these epic movies in general were kind of like, they, yeah, there was just an anti- going on for these kind of big budget action films.
1: Yeah. And it's really sad because this film is pretty good. It could have been better. There, there definitely could have done some rewrite stuff in there. I read that Joss Whedon, this, this is a common theme. Joss Whedon shows up and starts rewriting stuff and then it's either listened to or completely ignored. Yeah. In this case, it was completely ignored. And, um, I would be interested to see some of the ideas he had to, you know, make the script a little better. Cause a lot of times that stuff entails also scaling things back and, you know, saving money. Yeah. You know, so,
0: well, it's funny. Cause it's like, cause it's, he came in to try to rewrite Kevin Costner stuff, but this is also, this is also the era too, where Kevin Costner starts to become kind of a dick. And actually it just reminds me there was a, there was a dude that I met. A while back, well, it was like 10 plus years ago or something, but he was a stunt man guy and his bit the big, he did like a crap ton of stunts. But like the one that like really stood out to me is because he's the driver in, um Steve McQueen's bullet. So all the scenes mm-hmm. where they were Steve McQueen's driving through San Francisco, well, he's the stunt driver that drives all those ones in there and mm-hmm. his name was Lauren. I'm trying to like on his last name, but I remember like somebody asked a question because it was like it was one of my old teachers from like high school, like somehow some way got him for like a younger class, like way past the time I was there. But he, he's like, dude, you should come on by. I got this cool stuntman guy. I'm like, OK, cool. And some of the kids I was like, well, who was like one of the like the people you did? You hated working with. And he said Kevin Costner was like the biggest dick that he worked with. Wow so that might've been also now, now that I kind of start putting all those things together, this could have been that era where Kevin Costner kind of gets full of himself. So maybe that's where the critics are like, you know what? Screw this guy. You know, he he's, he's not that special. Like one of those things like that. He so was maybe, very indulgent. Yeah.
1: Like Mel Gibson didn't come across that way when he was directing his stuff. Like he trashed himself later, but we're talking about Braveheart era here. Yeah. You know, it didn't feel overindulgent, really, but the Coster stuff does.
0: It's sort of the same way that, like, when you hear stories about Stallone and about this era, too, like the late 80s, early 90s, when he's kind of in like when he's kind of being just a dick and everything like that. It's not like it's not like Arnold where everybody always talks highly about Arnold, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, most people, but um, there's always gonna be some outlier, but um, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I felt like some of those guys, it's like once they kind of get that power surge of being one of the top actors and top directors and writers and all that stuff because Kevin Costner's kind of in that same boat, too, you know, directing, writing, producing, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. so he. He thinks he, you know, you could kind of see where, hey, man, I know, I know what's going on here. Let me tell you how to, how to do this movie. Let me tell you how my character is going to act. You know, even though you wrote this script.
1: <laughs> well, the funny thing is, to Kevin Reynolds, the director, um, who had already had a falling out with Kevin Costner directing other movies, was convinced to work with him again, and he said that um, that Kevin Costner should always be the director of all his films so he could work with his favorite director and his favorite actor. <laughs> so, I mean...
0: Yeah. Damn. Well, because Kevin Reynolds, he also did a uh, Robin Hood, like, uh, with yeah. Kevin Costner, so... Yeah. There, there, there's another one right there that... Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that's his. I think that that probably is it. It's, you know, you know, Kevin Costner's at his, like, biggest dick moment of... You know, which he's still putting out great stuff. So at the end of the day, like you know, what I always feel like the movie that ends up on like the disc at the very end like tells all. But
1: yeah, he just did Yellowstone. He was good in Yellowstone too. He was really good in that. So oh yeah, I mean, so he's kind of playing Kevin Costner, but you know,
0: no matter what, like I, I I always like a good Kevin Costner movie. I I don't care. Like there's so Mm -hmm. he has so much great stuff. You know, whenever I see Kevin Costner, especially when I watch water, I'm like, that's what I feel like my hair looks like when I go in the water. <laughs> like, like I literally think about them, I'm like, I feel like I literally have the, the Kevin Costner like hair like that's what I see every single time I see one of his movies.
1: I just have that the bang sort of like down here. I look like that that character that Garth Brooks tried to do that Chris Gaines guy where he tried to make <laughs> like make this thing and it just didn't work out. Oh, my gosh. Where are the well, bodies, that- Garth?
0: See, I, I feel like I, I have the mix match of like pretty much the Kevin Costner, like hairline slash. I look like the British villain in an American movie.
1: <laughs> uh, what, th-
0: what, what, what are those kind of things?
1: <laughs> yeah. I look like a uh, great value brand, Michael Madsen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, but yeah. Um, like a young one. Now he's just
0: beyond, but yeah. Um, hey, but anyway, Michael, what, young Michael Matson's a good looking guy there. So
1: yeah. War games. He was in the beginning of war games. Yeah. A small part. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, Waterworld, Ulysses cut. Mm-hmm. You can watch it for free if you want to, or you can go pay $50 for a, for a Blu-ray whatever you want to do. It's your <laughs> choice. You yeah. Um, but it is on the internet archive if you want to watch it. Maybe I'll put a link. Maybe I won't. I don't know if, how how much I want people to go look at that because then they might take it down.
0: Yeah, they might take it down because that's the only place you can watch that Ulysses cut unless you want to buy it uh, on that mm-hmm. disc. There's yeah. no other way. It's not streaming anywhere. You can't rent it on Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if if they didn't have it on the archive, we probably wouldn't have even done this episode, I feel like, because it would have been like, I don't know how I'm going to get this movie to you yeah
1: it did suck for me because i pretty much had to watch it on my phone um i could have i tried to watch it on my laptop but it was just difficult with you know i'm always with kids and stuff so it, that ended up being the best way for me to watch it but um you can also download it and put it in the plex and play it anywhere which is what i was gonna do so but yeah water world ulysses cut go watch it you know let us know what you think about water world um definitely we'll be spending more time on social media in the next few weeks so um you know trying to get more engagement and get everybody involved with the, the podcast and kind of build a community and get everybody's opinions so let us know what you think about water world if you have any d- disagreements you can find us on TikTok at via vhs on x yes. at uh via vhs instagram at via vhs pod as always, you can go to oldmanorange.com to find all the stuff that Spencer does. Um, uh, oh, <clears throat> old Man orange podcast, pizza, boys, comic pizza, boys. Z
0: that's boys of a Z
1: boys Z. a Z you can find all that stuff there. But, um, thanks for listening. Let us know what you think about, uh, old water world. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here?
0: Nah, you know, I think we got quite a bit of it going there on how great of a film this is. And, Head and Treasure classic of that was one of the biggest movies at one point, but it's kind of a slightly lost in time film.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Water it's just because
0: it also doesn't have a whole lot of re-releases. That's the weirdest part about it, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. It's it's like a giant big budget um movie that's treated like a cult B movie. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 a weird, weird thing. But um yeah, go watch *Waterworld*, *Ulysses* cut, or the theatrical cut, whatever you want to watch. But um, thank you for listening. Y'all have a good one, and *Via VHS* is out.